Hello, my name is Wang Yan, and I'm a reporter with News China. With our weekly podcast, we aim to provide insight into the trends and happenings in modern China through a historical lens. In the first installment of what will be a two-part feature, we discuss the 10,000-mile tea road, a trade route that facilitated the transport of tea from southeast China's Fujian province all the way to Mongolia and Russia. It was a humble leaf that helped connect the Eurasian continent and open the door to commercial trade and cultural exchanges between civilizations. This is the tale of the 10,000-mile tea road. With an entire span of over 13,000 kilometers, the 10,000-mile tea road stretches all the way from Wei Mountain in southeast China's Fujian province via Ulaanbaatar, capital of Mongolia, to Kyakta in Russia, and then extends further into Central Asia and Europe. As another important trade route connecting Asian China and Europe, after the decline of the Silk Road, the 10,000-mile tea road exerted its own influence on the world. One example of this is the pronunciations of word tea in various languages, all derived from Asian Chinese dialects. The establishment of the 10,000-mile tea road was directly related to the daily needs of nomadic tribes in Mongolia and Siberia. The nomads have long lived in the cold, high-latitude regions. Their daily diets, which consist mainly of meat and dairy products, lack the fruits and vegetables, and the minerals and vitamins contained within, which are necessary for human survival. Tea, with its remarkable functionality, from removing grease to uplifting the spirit, as well as being rich in antioxidants, minerals, and vitamins, thus became a daily necessity, and was reputed for its health benefits. According to historical records, as early as in 1618, a Ming dynasty envoy traveled for 18 months and presented several boxes of tea to the Russian Tsar as a royal gift. This was the first time that tea was brought to Russia. Its debut, however, hardly set the court abuzz, as no Russian had ever tasted this mysterious Chinese beverage before. It wasn't for another 20 years until Chinese tea found fame among the Russian upper class when the Tsar first tasted Chinese tea presented by a Russian nobleman. It was oolong tea from Wei Mountain in southeast China's Fujian province. Grown in the gaps between mountain boulders, it is endowed with a signature mineral-rich flavor. At that time, the Chinese tea was such a variety that only the nobility and the rich could afford it. It was not until the 1750s when production of the Wei tea had been scaled up, that the beverage became fashionable and accessible to all angelons of Russian society. The growing popularity of Chinese tea prompted the Russians to explore the idea of cultivating their own tea, establishing tea plantations in Georgia. 
Located in the central and western parts of Transcaucasia and meeting the Black Sea to the west, Georgia is endowed with a warm and humid subtropical Mediterranean climate, particularly favorable for tea planting. In 1893, a Russian merchant by the name of Popov saw the potential of Chinese tea in the European market and hired Liu Junzhou, a tea master from South China's Guangdong province, together with a group of skilled workers, to plant tea trees and teach tea production techniques in Georgia. Three years later, the first batch of Georgian tea was produced. Liu continued to work on Popov's plantation for seven years. The tea he produced won the gold medal at the World Industrial Fair in Paris in 1900. Liu himself was awarded the Order of St. Stanislav, third class, by the Russian government in 1911 for his outstanding contribution. The tea exported to Russia was mostly produced in South China, but the merchants engaged in the tea trade were mostly from North China's Shanxi province. Sitting between the Mongolian grassland nomadic region and the Central Plains agricultural and handicraft region, Shanxi province has been a key channel for the exchange of goods and materials between the North and the South since ancient times. Shanxi merchants started the tea trade in the middle of the 18th century, when tea had become an indispensable component in the lives of ethnic groups in Mongolia and Russia. The wealthy Shanxi merchants leveraged hundreds of private banks along the tea road and controlled the purchase, processing, storage, transportation, and sales in almost all of the major tea-producing areas in China. They did not only dominate the three major tea markets of Hankou, Fuzhou, and Jiujiang, but were able to manipulate prices in Europe too. In addition, Shanxi merchants invented brick tea, brick-shaped tea blocks with tea leaves, stems, and sometimes tea powder tightly compressed together. Brick tea is very easy to store and transport over long distances. These distances, if legend is to be believed, inadvertently played an important role in Russian tea culture that remains to this day. In the early days of the trade route, the tea was mainly transported by camel caravans on a journey could take up to 18 months to complete. During these arduous tracks, the tea leaves were exposed night after night to smoke from the campfires of the merchants driving the caravans. At journey's end, the merchants would unload a rich, smoky black tea with a distinctive and unique flavor. The Russian caravan blend is still popular today, though the smokiness is added through oxidation rather than countless nights steeped in wood smoke on the Mongolian steppes. The journey would begin each spring when Shanxi merchants would employ thousands of farmers to pluck and process the tea leaves, making brick tea workshops a prosperous handicraft industry in the regions to the south of the Yangtze River. The Chuan brand dark tea bread produced 
in Yangloudong village, Hubei province, and Tianliang tea produced in Anhua County, Hunan province, remain bestsellers in Mongolia and Russia today. The tea purchased from Fujian, Hunan, and Hubei provinces was transported by the Shanxi merchants over the mountains and across the rivers to Kyakta in Russia. From there, it was then sold to other European cities by Russian merchants. The tea trade in Kyakta brought huge profits to merchants of both countries, as well as substantial tariff revenue to the Russian Empire. In 1760, tariffs collected from Kyakta accounted for 24% of Russia's national tariff revenue, rising further to 38.5% in 1775. From 1821 to 1850, Russia's trade with China in Kyakta accounted for 40-60% to 60 of Russia's total foreign trade. Meanwhile, 16% of China's exports and 19% of its imports were completed in Kyakta, bringing a large amount of silver to the coffers of the Qing dynasty as well. With the increase in trade, Kyakta grew from a nondescript market town into a large, bustling city. That is the end of our podcast. Thank you to our writer Liu Weitao, translator Yang Guang, and copy editor James McCarthy. We hope you enjoyed it, and thank you for listening. See you next week.